0: Live on tape from the Ed Sullivan Theater in New York City, it's Stephen Colbert!
1: Welcome to the Late Show. I'm your host, Stephen Colbert. And come on now, come on. If you're watching this show right now, good news the world did not end. <laughs> Touch and go, because earlier today, a large, potentially hazardous asteroid passed by the Earth. Man, the Oscar campaign for Don't Look Up is out of control. <laughs> too far, too far. It's just too much. The asteroid. The asteroid is called 1994 PC-1, so it looks like Elon Musk will have to choose a different name for his next child. (laughs) This asteroid is larger than the Burj Khalifa in Dubai and more than twice the size of the Empire State Building in New York City. Okay, who comes up with these size comparisons? (laughs) Guys, I found a death comet. Do we want to say it's the size of a couple of Empire State Buildings? Because it's really more like three M&M stores plus half of Yankee Stadium, or two Costco's minus a Taj Mahal, or maybe a tenth of Rhode Island, and and we're dead. And here it is. All in all, it really sounds and we're dead, and, and we're dead. <laughs> Come on, they're just joking. They're just joshing. We're just joshing. Well, keep it light. All in all, (laughs) it really sounds like we dodged a bullet until you learned the asteroid was 1.2 million miles away, (laughs) which is about five times the distance from the Earth to the moon. Damn it, science! That is not close. We're already down here dealing with a pandemic, global warming, and the fall of democracy. Our panic dance card is pretty full already. And so are our pants. (laughs) Knock it off. SPEAKING OF THINGS uh, NOT HAPPENING, CONGRESS. TODAY, SENATE DEMOCRATS PRESSED AHEAD WITH AN EFFORT TO PASS NEW VOTING RIGHTS PROTECTIONS THROUGH CONGRESS, EVEN THOUGH THE MEASURE APPEARS ALL BUT DEAD. COME ON, GUYS, DON'T GIVE UP THE FIGHT. DON'T KNOW, DO NOT GET DISCOURAGED. IN THE SENATE, THERE ARE A LOT OF THINGS THAT APPEAR ALL BUT DEAD. <laughs> NOW, DESPITE, WHERE are YOU GOING? GET BACK. YOU'RE NOT GOING ANYWHERE. DESPITE HOW POPULAR THESE BILLS ARE, THEY SEEM DOOMED THANKS TO A FILIBUSTER BY THE REPUBLICANS IN THE SENATE. NOW, DEMOCRATS COULD MODIFY THE FILIBUSTER RULES TO EXCLUDE VOTING RIGHTS BILLS, BUT THAT'S BEING BLOCKED BY SENATORS Kirsten SINEMA AND JOE MANCHIN, SEEN HERE CROWDING INTO AN ELEVATOR WITH ALL OF THEIR FRIENDS. (laughs) BUT THE DEMS ARE HOLDING THE VOTE ANYWAY BECAUSE THEY SAY THEY NEED TO PUT WHO'S FOR AND WHO'S AGAINST VOTING RIGHTS ON THE RECORD. Gotta LAY THEM ON THE TABLE. PUT THEM ON THE TABLE. AS SENATOR MARTIN HEINRICH PUT IT, WHETHER IT'S GOOD STRATEGY OR NOT, IT'S MORE IMPORTANT FOR THOSE PEOPLE WHOSE VOTES ARE BEING JEOPARDIZED. IT'S ABSOLUTELY CRITICAL THAT THEY UNDERSTAND WHO IS ON THEIR SIDE. THAT'S RIGHT. BECAUSE ONCE YOU KNOW, ONCE YOU KNOW WHICH POLITICIANS ARE KEEPING YOU FROM BEING ABLE TO VOTE, YOU CAN VOTE THEM OUT AND I SEE THE PROBLEM. I SEE THE PROBLEM. (laughs) THAT IS A TOUGHY. THAT IS A TOUGHY. That's a poser, is what that is. People are frustrated naturally. People like music legend Stevie Wonder, who released this statement on YouTube.
2: Any senator who cannot support the protection of voting rights in the United States of America cannot say that they support the Constitution.
1: Stop the hypocrisy. Cut the boat ish. Oh! Oh, did you hear that? Oh! 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 Oh, Tish. <laughs> I want to thank Stevie Wonder for standing up for democracy and swearing in a way I can air on my CBS television show. <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> you, sir. <laughs> <laughs> that, t- that bull Tish. Yeah, that bull, yeah, bull Tish. Come on. You, sir, are one bad mother trucker. <laughs> and senators, you know how hard it is to make Stevie Wonder that angry? The meanest thing he's ever said up till now is, you're just my part-time lover. <laughs> Stevie wandered on. If you care and support our rights,
2: do the hard work. You can't please everybody, but you can protect all of us. And to keep it all the way real, the filibuster is not working for democracy. Why won't you?
1: Oh. That's good. That's really good. That I'd is like really that. good. You tell him Stephen T. Wonder. HE THEN SET HIS FEELINGS TO MUSIC AND RELEASED IT ON THE NEW ALBUM, SONGS IN THE KEY OF CUFF YOU, FEATURING HIS HITS, I JUST CALLED TO SAY, GO TO HELL, FOR ONCE IN MY LIFE, DO SOMETHING, SUPER SEDITION, AND HIS TRIBUTE TO THE REPUBLICAN PARTY, IVORY AND IVORY. OF COURSE, IVORY AND IVORY, LIVE TOGETHER. (laughs) Of course, the 2022 campaign is already underway. Uh, Down in Louisiana, your home state, John, one Senate candidate has a new ad talking about legalizing marijuana and rightly pointing out the racial disparity in drug enforcement.
0: Most of the people police are arresting aren't dealers, but rather people with small amounts of pot, just like me. I'm Gary Chambers, and I'm running for the U.S. Senate, and
1: I approve this message. Put his money where his mouth is putting it out there.
2: Yeah.
1: He's getting high in his campaign ad. We haven't seen a move that bold since Eisenhower's pro-crystal meth slogan, "Ike like ice." <laughs> now, if he wins the primary, Chamber's Republican opponent would be Louisiana Senator and dog watching you eat a meatball, John Kennedy, and it would be quite a debate. Listen to some of Kennedy's recent quotes. Getting rid of the 60-vote threshold in the Senate, in my judgment, would be like um, like giving whiskey and car keys to a teenage boy. I don't know about you, Trey, but my car doesn't run off fairy dust. My car doesn't run off unicorn urine. Most Americans understand that to a bear, we all taste like chicken. Are we sure we know which candidate is high? <laughs> One thing tastes like chicken. You taste like chicken. I did I don't know that. One thing that's definitely still happening is the pandemic, while Omicron appears to have peaked here in New York City. Some countries are just getting started, like in Beijing, where they locked down an office building with workers still inside after a single Omicron case was detected. Hey, anti-vaxxers complaining about the CDC's communist policies, why don't you try protesting at the Beijing Olive Garden? Let me know how that goes. And I'm... A little perspective. I'm just asking for a little perspective here. I'm not the only one fed up with these mask holes. In Mexico, Leonardo Schwebel, an anchor for Telediario Guadalajaro, Mexico's news leader, has had just about enough.
2: Ustedes, malditos, antivacunas, imbéciles, ya dejense de por lo menos, pónganse.
3: It's
2: nice
1: to know that whatever country you're from, we all speak the universal language. I HOPE ALL THE ANTI-VAXXERS IN MEXICO SAW THAT, ESPECIALLY THE ONES WHO SAY THEY HEARD THE VACCINE GIVES THEIR COUSIN'S FRIEND, LOS huevos GIGANTES. <laughs> I HEARD THAT, YEAH.
2: <laughs>
1: IT'S NOT JUST PEOPLE AT RISK FOR COVID. RECENTLY, LIONS AT A ZOO IN SOUTH AFRICA GOT SEVERE COVID-19 FROM ASYMPTOMATIC ZOO HANDLERS. Now, DON'T WORRY, THE LIONS WILL BE JUST FINE. AFTER 10 DAYS OF ISOLATION, THEY'LL GO BACK TO THEIR NORMAL, HEALTHY ROUTINE OF TRYING TO TAKE A NAP IN THE SHADE WHILE SCHOOL KIDS THROW ICE AT THEM. (laughs) THESE ZOO INFECTIONS RAISE CONCERNS ABOUT THE CREATION OF NEW VARIANTS BECAUSE AFTER THE ANIMALS CATCH THE VIRUS, THE DISEASE COULD MUTATE IN THEM AND REINFECT HUMANS. OKAY, WELL, THAT EXPLAINS DISNEY'S NEW UPDATE OF THE LION KING. I BELIEVE THEY CALL THAT A HAKUNA MUTATA. (laughs) IN ORDER TO PREVENT THE SPREAD OF COVID FROM ANIMALS BACK TO HUMANS, RESEARCHERS ARE SUGGESTING MASK-WEARING AS WELL AS BARRIERS SO THAT VISITORS TO ZOOS CAN'T GET TOO CLOSE TO THEM. THEY'VE ALSO INSTALLED SIGNS THAT SAY, PLEASE DON'T TONGUE THE LIONS. (laughs) AND IT'S NOT JUST LIONS. IN Hong HONG KONG, RIGHT, IN HONG KONG, IT WAS ANNOUNCED THAT 11 hamsters TESTED POSITIVE FOR THE DELTA VARIANT. I KNOW IT'S ADORABLE, BUT WE HAVE TO STOP THESE UNLIKELY LION-HAMSTER FRIENDSHIPS. (laughs) BETWEEN A CLOSE BRUSH WITH AN asteroid, A TEETERING DEMOCRACY, AND A RAGING PLAGUE, IT CAN FEEL LIKE THE END TIMES, BUT IF IT MAKES YOU FEEL ANY BETTER, A CALIFORNIA CITY HAS BEEN OVERRUN BY CROWS. (laughs) THE GOOD NEWS IS, THE CROWS DON'T POSE ANY SERIOUS PUBLIC HEALTH RISK. AS ONE DOCTOR EXPLAINED, YOU'D HAVE TO LICK ALL THE CROW DROPPINGS ON A PARK BENCH TO COME EVEN REMOTELY CLOSE TO CATCHING SOMETHING FROM A CROW ROOST. Remind me not to sign up for any of that guy's studies. Okay, keep licking, keep licking. How do you feel? Not sick yet? Lick the next one. Keep licking. Lick another bench. So, 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 the crows aren't dangerous, but they are a nuisance. Luckily, the city has a secret weapon, lasers. Pew, pew. Okay, you'll scare away the crows, but they'll just be replaced by thousands of excited cats. Why? Why lasers? Why lasers? A few cat, a few cat owners here. Why lasers? Well, because when crows see a green laser shining in the trees at night, they think animals are running over the branches and they fly somewhere else. That sounds complicated. <laughs> if only there was something people have used for centuries to scare away crows, some sort of crow frightener, eh? A fear crow, something like that. Oh, if I only had a brain. <laughs> now, yes. If the lasers don't work, one ornithologist suggested officials aim firecrackers and bottle rockets at the birds, which will make them freak out. That advice brought to you by world-renowned crow expert Kyle from across the street. <laughs> we got a great show for you tonight. Coming up, meanwhile...
2: Listen to The Daily Show, Ears Edition, wherever you get your podcasts. It's
1: a lovely audience tonight. Oh yeah, it's, it's a great audience. are a lovely, attractive group of people out here in the audience tonight. Yeah. Very happy hour. Amazing energy, yes. I'm pleased that we have yes. such a wonderful show for them tonight, it's already been pretty darn good, but yes. coming up soon, we got, uh, from Succession, we got Brian Cox coming out here. Oh my and- and- AND uh, AMERICA'S CANADIAN SWEETHEART, SAMANTHA BEE, IS GOING TO BE HERE. OLD FRIEND OF THE SHOW. OLD FRIEND OF THE SHOW. Uh, I JUST WANT TO SAY SOMETHING REAL QUICK ABOUT THE STORY ABOUT THE the LIONS AND THE hamsters Mm -hmm. HAVE GOT uh, THE COVID. Mm -hmm. AND THEN THEY'RE SAYING, LIKE, OH, IF THE LIONS HAVE IT, AND THEN THEY MIGHT MUTATE IN THE LION, AND THEN WE'D HAVE LION FLU OR SOMETHING, AND WE'D GET THAT BACK FROM THEM, AND THAT WOULD KILL ALL OF US, OR WHATEVER THEY'RE TELLING US NOW. LET ME KNOW. When I'm gonna catch the deathly illness from like a puma or something like that. <laughs> but until then, until that's actually happening, put a cork in it. <laughs> I'm already pre freaked out. I'm yes. already, I'm reached my, I've reached my limit. Yes, I believe absolutely. a great man once said, Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. Uh-huh. Let me tomorrow, worry about tomorrow. <laughs> <Okay. Whoa! laughs> Don't worry about <laughs> it now. Because yeah, I'm out of adrenaline. I'm just about tapped out of yeah, adrenaline right definitely. now. I'm, yeah. out too. I'm just, uh, I, got, I got one thing to worry about is how to lose this holiday weight. That's the only thing I'm worried That's about right thing. now. That's the only thing to worry about. Yeah. Yes. Folks, if you watch the show, you know, sometimes I'm over there doing the monologue, and then there's a commercial break, and then I'm sitting here, and I do a really long description of a different segment on the show, <laughs> a segment we call... NOT TONIGHT, NOT TONIGHT, (laughs) FIRST TIME, FIRST TIME, SORRY. WHAT ARE THE ODDS, WHAT ARE THE ODDS? MEANWHILE, (laughs) IN MUSIC VIDEO NEWS, BABY SHARK IS THE FIRST YOUTUBE VIDEO TO CROSS TEN BILLION VIEWS. OR, OR AS PARENTS WITH SMALL CHILDREN WOULD SAY, SEEMS LOW. Meanwhile, this past weekend was the beginning of the NFL playoffs and the Kansas City Chiefs beat the Steelers. The win comes as no surprise to fans or apparently to the Steelers' quarterback, Ben Roethlisberger, who said this days before the game. I would assume as a group you understand that, you know, we probably aren't supposed
2: to be here. We're probably not a very good football team. I mean, we're probably 20-point underdogs and we're going to the number, one te- the number one team, arguably the best team in football. Um, we don't have a chance.
1: <laughs> Okay, Ben, I know you want to keep it real, but you're the quarterback. (laughs) What do you say in the huddle? All right, guys, first and ten. Let's punt and get this over with. I want to run by the dry cleaners before it closes. (laughs) Hands in, everybody. Death comes for us all. (laughs) Meanwhile, meanwhile... It does. It does. It does. Meanwhile, we have yet another extremely rare... On Friday, folks, I told you about the disastrous Twitter takeover by the Portland Pickles baseball team that went sideways when their mascot, Dylan, here, posted this photo. <laughs> the club uh, claimed that Dylan, right here, right there, that thing right there, was just trying to give the fans a thumbs up exactly at crotch height. Well, I had an opinion. When you're doing a gesture, the placement of the hand is really important. There's a reason Nixon didn't give the peace sign like this. (laughs) Now, it has come to my attention that one of my viewers was confused by that joke. His name is Jack Moreski. He happens to be the father of one of my producers, Opus Moreski. After seeing the show, Mr. Moreski texted his son, Hey, why the big laugh over Nixon gesture on Friday Night show looked like he was holding his mouth in a smile, but it got a big laugh, bigger than it warranted, so there must be another explanation. <laughs> Clue us in, please. Now, now, Opus, Opus did not answer his father, and you'll note that text was sent yesterday at 9.38 p.m. Then this morning at 8.37 a.m., Jack follows up with the son... So? (laughs) He's been turning over his head all night. What could it possibly mean? Is he going to poke himself in the eyes? Is he counting the number of his shoes? How is that a joke? Damn these infernal late-night hooligans. (laughs) As of this taping, Jack's question remains unanswered. Why? Because Opus is a coward. (laughs) Too scared to look his own father in the eye and explain the ways of the world. Well, clearly, someone has to be the adult in the room here So now, I have to do what Opus is too scared to do. Mr. Moreski Sr., please meet me over at the birds and bees camp. (laughs) Okay. Okay. Here it is. When someone makes uh, that gesture that we showed a photo of, uh, they're suggesting... um, (laughs) How do I put this? Sometimes you take a trip downtown and... (laughs) YOU'RE HUNGRY, AND YOU MIGHT WANT TO, SAY, HAVE DINNER AT THE Y. OR, (laughs) LET'S SAY, uh, MEET A FRIEND AT THE LOCAL DINER TO HAVE SOME TACOS AT THE MUNCHERY. Um, uh, YOU KNOW WHAT? GOOGLE IT. SORRY, OPUS. I TRIED. (laughs) JUST, I CAN'T. I GOTTA MOVE ON. I CAN'T. (laughs) MEANWHILE. Scientists now say that face masks make people look more attractive. (laughs) Thanks for the confidence boost, science. (laughs) Hey, you know what would make you a lot more appealing? Less of this. (laughs) Meanwhile... A WOMAN WHO BINGED 32 SUSHI ROLLS AT AN ALL-YOU-CAN-EAT BUFFET WAS RUSHED TO THE HOSPITAL WITH ACID REFLUX AFTER DOWNING EIGHT GREEN DRAGON ROLLS, EIGHT SNOW ROLLS, EIGHT CALIFORNIA ROLLS, AND EIGHT WAKAME ROLLS, PLUS MISO SOUP, FOUR GYOZAS, A HELPING OF EDAMAME, AND A FEW JALAPENO POPPERS. <laughs> AH, YES, JALAPENO POPPERS, THE TRADITIONAL JAPANESE DELICACY HAILING FROM THE PREFECTURE OF Okinawa. <laughs> After
2: the break, Brian Cox. Hey everyone, it's David Duchovny. Do you ever feel like a failure? Trust me, I get it. Hell, I've spent my whole life almost feeling like a failure. It's appropriate though, because on Fail Better, my new podcast with Lemonada Media, exploring the world of failure, how it holds us back, propels us forward, and ultimately shapes our lives is the whole point. Each week, I'll chat with artists, athletes, actors, and experts about how our perceived failures have actually been our biggest catalysts for growth, revelation, and even healing. Through these conversations, I hope we can learn how to embrace the opportunity of failure and fail better together. Fail Better is out on May 7th, wherever you get your podcasts.
1: Ladies and gentlemen... My first guest this evening is an Emmy award-winning actor you know from Troy, The Born Identity and as the patriarch we love to hate on Succession. Please welcome back to the Late Show Brian Cox. <laughs> Nice to see you again. Nice to see you, Stephen. How is the New Year treating you?
2: Uh, fairly hectic. Yeah? Uh, yeah. Fairly hectic. I mean, I, I didn't stop. I went, I'm stupid. I'm a fool, really. What do you mean? Uh, well, I don't take it easy. I, I, I have this thing. It's, it's the thing in improvisation. You know, in improvisation, you can never say no. Sure. You have to always say yes and. Yes. Well, you do that to a career, you end up doing a lot of stuff. Right, it it aggregates. Absolutely, so I did three pictures since I've done Succession. Oh, my God. Well, somewhere in in all of that, in in, in all of that hurly-burly,
1: you managed to also write a memoir called Putting the Rabbit in the hat. First of all, what, what, what does that title mean, putting oh, the rabbit in the
2: hat? It, it comes from what happened years ago. I did a, a play called Tamburlaine the Great. Oh, sure. I know it. Yeah. yeah. Oh, somebody knows it there. That's yeah, good. Yeah. Oh, we have an educated audience. Thank you. Yes. That's lovely. <laughs> anyway, what happened was that uh, we were rehearsing and we rehearsed it forever and ever and ever. And it's Christopher Marlowe, which is yeah. tedious to say. the Yes. Least. Not quite Shakespeare. Not quite Shakespeare. So anyway, uh, Albert Finney was playing and Albert's very like that, you know. All right, lads, let's just do it, you know. We're going to do it, you know. And let's get the rabbit out of the hat. That's what we've got to do. You know, that's the problem with this play. Just get the rabbit out of the hat. And (laughs) an actor who was in it with me said, Yeah, but how do we get the rabbit into the hat? (laughs) It's a, it's a, so that's yeah. why it's called putting the rabbit in the hat. It's a reasonable question. It's a reasonable yeah, question. Yeah. So the
1: book—it's uh, a memoir of being an actor for what, sixty years now. Uh, 60 six, years, 60 yeah, sixty. Sixty around, sixty AND so. That's a lot of experience. So, yep. you said you—you you wrote the book for your parents. Yeah. What did you—what did you want to say about them? What did you want us to know? Well, and I have them right here. Yeah,
2: that's my mum and dad. There you go. Yeah, Molly and Chick. Chick. Yeah, Molly and Chick. 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 Yeah, the reason was that uh, you you know their lives were not. I mean, my dad died when he was fifty-one. My mum had a series of nervous breakdowns after that, and I just felt that I wanted to address their lives and address what it was like to live in immediately post-war Scotland, as it happens at the time. Mm -hmm. AND uh, THE KIND OF MISTAKES THAT WERE MADE IN GOODNESS. MY DAD WAS A VERY GOOD, VERY, VERY GOOD, PIOUS MAN. AND HE WAS ALWAYS VERY GIVING TO EVERYBODY. AND HE WOULD, HE HAD A SHOP. THAT'S, that's A FAVORITE PHOTOGRAPH OF ME AND MY DAD, YEAH. Pious HE HAD A FAVORITE, man. HE HAD A SHOP. AND HE WOULD WORK FROM 10 O'CLOCK IN THE MORNING, to, I MEAN, FROM 5 O'CLOCK IN THE MORNING till 10 O'CLOCK AT NIGHT. AND THEN, BECAUSE IT WAS IN A GHETTO, HE WOULD GO AND HELP PEOPLE DECORATE THEIR HOUSE. You know, he was that kind of guy. And it was. And my mother it drove my mother demented, actually, literally. And she said, you know, it's, it was hard. But then I found this amazing letter from her. It was actually a diary entry where she talked about the little differences and how she ultimately forgave him because she loved him mm. and how difficult it was to be that generous. And she always used to say to me, remember, Brian, charity begins at home, you know. So it was a very... It's a very telling thing, and I just wanted to get it out there. I wanted to tell that story. Did your mother... Parents
1: often worry about uh, their children going into show business, or any sort
2: of uh, UNLIKELY PROFESSION, YOU MIGHT SAY. DID YOUR MOTHER WORRY ABOUT oh, YOU? OH, NO, NO, QUITE THE OPPOSITE. NO, NO, MY, no, my MOTHER WAS, IT WAS EMBARRASSING, ACTUALLY. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> NO, WHAT HAPPENED, I REMEMBER ONCE WHEN I, I DID, a, my, MY FIRST JOB WAS A TV SHOW, I DID A TV PLAY, AND uh, IT WAS, YOU KNOW, A LOT OF PEOPLE SAW IT AND WHAT HAVE YOU, AND uh, MY mum uh, DECIDED TO GET A PETITION TOGETHER WITH THE NEIGHBORS TO GET ME ON TELEVISION MORE OFTEN. Wait, what what (laughs) town in Scotland are we talking about? This is in Dundee, my hometown. She's gone around the neighborhood with a clipboard. She went around and she said, listen, I've just gone next door to the neighbor, and they would like to see you more on the television. So she's putting her name down. Is that okay? And I said, ma, ma, you can't do that. It doesn't work that way. I mean, I'm just employed by an individual who happens to be working for the BBC, and that's how I work there. But she said, no, I think we can make some movement for you. God bless mothers. God God bless bless mothers. Where would we be without them?
1: Exactly. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, so, here you are. Do you ever know how old you are at this time? 66? Oh, God.
2: I was probably about 23, I think. Look at that smoke show right there. Look at that. Is this your first headshot? Uh, No, my second. My first was a total disaster, so I had to go back and get them done again. (laughs) So, here you
1: are, uh, 1966. In that period of time, who were sort of the actors of like the generation before you who were you looking up to it was like tool well, or Atul, burton
2: or uh, well certainly burton but but albert finney particularly albert I mean, albert, see, albert was for me albert was a revelation when i was a kid i wanted to act SINCE i was this high so i used to go to what we used to call we used to call them the pictures which was the cinema we, yeah. i i went i mean i started to go when i was 5 Mm-hmm. And I used to go. We had double features. We had, in my hometown, we had twenty-one cinemas at one point, and there was one. They were kitty-corner to one another, so we could see as many as eight movies in a week. And I virtually did that since the age of six. So I, that was who I was going to be. Right. But they were all American movies. Yeah. I couldn't relate to British or English movies at all. I could only relate to Cagney and Humphrey Bogart and Marlon Brando and James and then comedians like Martin and Lewis, not just Lewis, Martin and Lewis, and uh, Danny Kaye. These were sort of people who I, were part of my world. So I thought, well, I, I'm not American. It's never going to happen to me. I'm never going to make that link. And then, at the age of 14, I went to the... Plaza Cinema in Dundee, in the Hilltown in Dundee. And I saw Albert Finney in Saturday night and Sunday morning. Mm -hmm. And I thought, it's me. Mm-hmm. That it's possible. I can do it because, look, this guy's doing it, and he's incredible. So that was... And that was an amazing time because it was a time of great social mobility in my country. So that I went to a drama school. I was... I got grants. I got... Not, none of that happens now, you know. That happened then. And the country was a lot poorer. And that's how I started. And I got... I managed to get an interview with my local theatre, and I went round there, and it was funny because as I walked into the theater, there was a fight going on between an actor and a stage manager, and they were doing all this, you know, this would-be fisticuffs. An actual fight, not a stage fight. Uh, No, not an actual fight, not a stage fight. An actual fight. They'd been on a bender, apparently, all night. I didn't know this. I was 15. I just walked in, and I'm passing all these people. And uh, they're doing... "Ah, ah," And it was all going on like that. So I got up the stairs to the landing, and there was an actor there smoking a cigarette, and he said, Are you all right, darling? And I thought... This is obviously where I've got to be. You know. <laughs> <laughs> you know. Amusement among <laughs> the chaos. You know, I you know. Uh, no, I, I, uh, so I realized that I was, I was blessed, you <laughs> know, and I, I consider myself blessed.
1: We have to take a quick break, uh, but stick around when we come back. I will ask Brian about some of his most memorable mishaps on stage. know you from television and from films but of course you've had a long career on the stage and what I love talking about people who've made their career on the stage is that of course in a film or TV show you can have another take. You can try it again. But I love the fact that if something goes wrong on stage you've got to just bluff it out. You can't do it. And do you have any particularly, I like to ask, are there any particular memorable
2: moments when things went sideways and you had to keep going? Uh, Several times. I mean several things which went wrong. I, I, I once in King Lear threw my crown off that way, and it said it went into the front row and cut a woman's head right there across there. Wow! And she turned and she turned to her boyfriend, and he suddenly said, "Oh, are you all right?" She said, "Are you okay?" And all the blood was on his shirt, not on her head. Wow! That was one incident, and the other incident was I was playing Captain Ahab in, in Moby Dick a thousand years ago, and you know, mate, I, I had this peg leg. You know, and there's this whole thing where I have to walk down the whole deck of the ship and climb up on the post and knock the doubloon into the mast. And as I climbed up and got up, my peg leg fell off. <laughs> and so... And the the cast was starting to frantically screw the peg leg back on and going, Come the on. crew and the, and crew's and the the coming crew was then coming on, and I was saying, "Leave it, boys, leave it, leave it!" and of course they did leave it, so I, I was minus a leg, so I had to get off stage, and it was extremely painful to get off stage on one leg, minus my peg, so I, but I did eventually make it but and this is where i my suspicion of critics began, well, actually, it began before then, but it certainly was, you know, s- solidified then. The following day, I got a rave review <laughs> in the Times paper, and he said, and this extraordinary moment where the vulnerability of Ahab came through in the moment that he lost his peg leg, <laughs> and the crew tried to help him, but he wouldn't let the... bollocks ha- <laughs> <laughs> fun it was lovely to see you. thank you thank so you. much for being here
0: up next samantha b
1: enjoying this episode of the late show pod show then head to cohstapp dot app slash late show or visit the link in the description to fill out our quick two-minute survey all about getting to know you Our next guest is the Emmy Award winning host of Full Frontal with Samantha B., which returns this week for its seventh season. Please welcome back to the Late Show, <laughs> Sam B. As we spoke, yes. uh, it was over the Zooms.
3: It was over, it was over the, the Zoom. Zooms. It's That's been, right.
1: It's been a year since we saw each other. A year. Is it something I said? Why?
3: It was yes. we, one full insurrection ago. You know? Yo. <laughs> oh. oh, oh,
1: yeah, oh, uh, oh just oh. now, It was real quick. Just now, yeah. of course, obviously, we're old friends. I hugged you just now. Just yes, curious, Have you we been did.
3: tested recently? I tested three times today, which is like... Wow. New, yeah. You must have
1: been running out of holes. Oh,
3: boy, I'm telling <laughs> you. These are... The, I have really... Flexed these muscles go. today. Let how me tell is you. The, how, how is how you, how's the family? Family's good. Everybody's kind of. You know, everybody's finding their way mm-hmm. in the new normal. It was nice that. I mean, I know that no one will agree, but I have enjoyed this deep freeze because we were able to skate this weekend and things like that. There's like a pond. It's very, very, very Canadian. Isn't that very Canadian
1: of you? Oh boy. You, you
3: ski on ponds? We can skate on a. It's so frozen where we are. I wouldn't know that, when
1: that's okay.
3: Well. As you, I'm, AS YOU KNOW, I'M MARRIED TO A FELLOW CANADIAN, AND HE CAN TELL, HE CAN INTUIT HOW DEEP, HOW THICK THE ICE IS JUST BY LOOKING AT has LIKE, A KIND OF, LIKE, A BAT SENSOR, LIKE, ECHO <laughs> HE'S location. GOT ICE star. De- YEAH. HE <laughs> yes, JUST yeah. CHURCHES HE'S <laughs> JUST LIKE, <laughs> IT'S A FOOT AND A HALF, WE'RE SAFE.
1: SO FULL FRONTAL JUST yes. HIT uh, A MILESTONE, 200th, 200TH EPISODE. 200th yeah, EPISODE. THAT'S A LOT. THAT'S A LOT. THAT'S A LOT, that's a lot that's OF EPISODES. So, how is hosting the show d- differently now than when you went on the air in February of 2016?
3: It's so different. I mean, first, it's very different hosting a show in a post-Trump world, too. I feel like there have been so many iterations of who I, who I am, I who and I don't know who you're talking about. about. It's is know. complete, complete blank. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now, you know, we just have longer to explore ourselves. Like, I just finished what I was doing prior to coming here today, was shooting this whole piece in a cat cafe in Brooklyn, so I'm having so much fun. I had like forty cats on me today.
1: Really? I've, are you a cat are you a cat person?
3: I love cats. I have so much dander on my body right now.
1: You don't have an allergy or anything. Oh that, god no. I hope no yeah. one
3: in this room does, because even though this is a giant room, you are gonna have a face full of dander just from <laughs> me physically being here.
1: Well you this this forty cats, is that part yeah. of this? Because you, you gave a little hint, you gave a little yeah. preview, a teaser yes. of what the season's going to be like mm-hmm. uh, on on the Twitter. I did. You you said uh, next season we're going to go nut nut.
3: Yeah, that's it. That's it.
1: That's it. Which it's is a, a Kendall Roy reference from *Succession*. I
3: know. Right. So nice to see Brian. Cox. Isn't it nice? I liked yeah. that. Yeah. Um, <laughs> yes, me filming a show about uh, like misinformation, vaccine misinformation, mm-hmm. but framing it in a in a kitten cafe with forty kittens climbing over my body. That's me going <laughs> nut nuts, Stephen, and I plan to do a lot more I like of it. It. I like it. I like it. Will we
1: learn anything from this?
3: We might. There's. I'm trying to. I'm trying to put some information into it, but truly, it's just me living my best life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> That's nice. Yeah. That's nice. You know what?
3: Mm-hmm. What can I say?
1: Uh, you, you and I, of course, worked together uh, for many years uh, yeah. over at the the place called the Daily, and yeah. we would do a lot of elections. And you of did. course, there's there's like uh, uh, presidential year elections, and then yes. there's the midterms. And we're in a midterm year. Yep. Are you, are you mid-excited?
3: Even hearing the word midterm makes me want to tear my microphone off and run out of the building. I don't know. How do you feel? Are you, like, stiff I'm so excited stoked? to
1: talk about what's going to happen in Oklahoma 7th yeah. District. Yes! That is yeah. something you can really sink your teeth into. <laughs> oh. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
3: I'll get the kittens to talk about that. Sure. The next but the thing is, you,
1: can't, you sort of can't yeah. necessarily ignore it because... No. What, what, what I do, certainly, and I think to a certain extent you do, yes. you're sort of a shadow of what's actually happening in the national news conversation, because that's oh, the sure. footage you're rolling in. Uh-huh. All they're going to talk about is the midterm elections. Oh,
3: I know. Yes, I know. Yeah. But we will tell the story of the collapse of civilization you know with what? style and panache, Keep it light. <laughs> keep it we'll, light. Well,
1: keep it light. <laughs> keep it light. Next to the flaming pit and go, it sheds a lovely light.
3: <laughs> Feel that warmth.
1: Now, I understand that, uh, like many comedians, uh, you were a waitress before you were the Sam B oh, we know and love. Yes. I was also, and I'm just curious... Uh-huh. How your waitressing experience uh, in Toronto? <laughs> yeah. Okay, because right across the lakes over there, I was in Chicago. In Chicago. America's Toronto. Okay. And it truly. I is. would like to. It really kind of is. Yeah. They're kind of sister cities. Yeah. I'm curious what your experience was like. Whether whether it was better than mine, because I oh, did five boy. years. I did five uh, years.
3: I think I did. I think I did uh, around five. Like yep. somewhere between five years and a decade. Where were perhaps. you?
1: Same place the whole <laughs> my time. My
3: first uh, my first waitering job was at a place. It was like an over. It was a 24-hour pancake house called the Golden Griddle. Down on Front Street. That's some
1: long green.
3: That's some <laughs> <laughs> The Golden Griddle. The golden you know, griddle. Those drunk
1: people at two A.M. are really well, cutting some big checks to the waitress. Only,
3: I only ever worked the night shift. I worked from ten PM to six AM. I saw it was the best of times. It was mostly the worst of times. And what is something. What is your
1: social life like? How old are you at this point? Uh
3: twenties.
1: You're in your twenties, mid twenties. Yeah, and you're working from ten yes. at night till uh-huh. six o'clock in the morning. So how yeah. do you interact with the other humans who are living the other human schedule,
3: you don't you uh, well. I think when you're in your twenties, you're just up awa- awake all the time, so I think that's fine. But mostly, so like you
1: get wake up when
3: you would go. You go to sleep at six. You get up at like eleven. You wouldn't you go to sleep at six. You're off work at off six. When did you go to sleep? Ride my bike home for. Like forty-five minutes because I lived really far away from the Wow! Hospital. Oh, it's That's so awful. Intense. And then all night long, serve people who are so drunk and so high, and just like coming off a Star Trek convention, ordering their food in Klingon, and you're just like, <laughs> I. On, on, that didn't happen. So many times. (laughs) They're like, I'm the first, this is very original. I'm gonna ask for my buckwheat pancakes and Klingon. She's never gonna see it coming. You're like, dude, you have a full face of makeup on. I was expecting this, and it's still not funny. Hookta! Yep, that's it.
1: Well, Sam, congratulations. (laughs) I just got a chill
3: up my spine. (laughs) Congratulations
1: on 200 shows. Thank you so much. On the seventh season. I'm so excited. What a gift. Hey, keep it nut nut. Keep it that. A delight, a delight. You, you, multiply delight. tested person. Full Thank frontal you. with Samantha B airs Thursdays on TBS. Samantha B, everybody.
0: This has been The Late Show Pod Show with Stephen Colbert. If you're enjoying The Late Show Pod Show, leave us a five star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Watch The Late Show with Stephen Colbert weeknights at 11.35, 10.35 Central on CBS and Paramount+. And for more exclusive Late Show content, follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And subscribe to The Late Show on YouTube.